Welcome to Get in the Herd, a podcast about addiction and recovery brought to you by the McShin Foundation. If you or a loved one are looking for real discussions about addiction, recovery, stigma, advocacy, and most importantly, hope, then stick around. Thanks for joining us. Now sit back and get ready for another great episode of Get in the Herd. Welcome to today's episode of Get in the Herd award-winning podcast here at the McShin Foundation. My name is Monique and I've got two very special guests with me. Um, today I've got Kit here. Kit just finished um, our intensive program about a week ago yeah. and I've got our CEO and award-winning author, Honesty Miller. <laughs> With the princess wave. Yes. Yeah. That's the queen. <laughs> and today, since um we are celebrating Pride Month today, so I do want to start out with saying Monique, my pronouns are she, her. Just you know, just saying, just putting that out there. <laughs> and uh, again, my name is Kit. I use they, them, and she, her pronouns. Honesty, she, her, hers in the house. <laughs> hey, look, and Nathan, you're not Nathan on. Is off Nathan, camera. Not on camera, but can you hear me? Yeah, I can. So I'm I'm Nathan Mitchell, and I use he, him, his pronouns, but you can just call me fabulous. Oh, okay. <laughs> that you I are. Like that. Thank you. And I'm sitting behind the scenes today because I'm recovering from um, eating too much sushi. <laughs> it's called the itis. God, I wish that were me. You know, that's when you need a nice little nap. <laughs> There's a couch. You could probably fit on that too. Can we follow him to the couch with a mic and have him make commentary while taking a nap? All right. What are we talking about today? So today, um, we want to talk about some of the issues that we have in the LGBTQIA plus community. Did I get that right? Yeah. Good oh, job. Wow. <laughs> And, um, you know, some of the challenges that you have to overcome um, being part of a minority of the recovery community. Mm -hmm. um, so, Kit, tell me a little bit about your experience since you've been here. Um, since I've been at McShin or in recovery? Both. Okay, yeah, definitely. So, um, for those at home who don't know me, um, <laughs> <laughs> I am a transgender person in recovery. And so, again, I, I use they and she pronouns. And um, for me, I've had a very, um, you know, adventureful transition in that I've been tra transitioning for about six years, something like that, six or seven years. 
And for a few years of that time, I used to uh, live as a trans man. I identified that way. Um, and in the past couple of years, I've been IDing as um, a non-binary person. So for me, that means that I don't really identify as either a male or a female outright. I just do my own thing. And for me, my presentation is very androgynous. Not all non-binary people look like that, of course. But, um, you know, I like letting the feminine side out more these days than the masculine side. So as far as being in recovery, um, when I entered in recovery, I was living my life as a man and I was stealth, meaning basically closeted. No one knew that I was trans. They assumed me to be another man. Um, and so after I got a couple of years, um, well, let me back up a little bit. After, I think in my first year, I decided to come out in the fellowship. So I went to like all these big ass meetings and I was like, yo, this is who I am and I don't care, you know? And uh, well, I do care, but I was like, I don't care what y'all think. Um, <laughs> And it was actually well-received, but it was also like awkward at times. Like people would come up to me after meetings and be like, hey, my child is questioning and what do I do? And I'm like, I don't know your oh. child. <laughs> like, don't, You're the parent here, like Google it. I don't know. Um, but so when, after about two and a half years of being in recovery, I started realizing that, you know, that trans masculine identity was not the right fit. And, you know, in hindsight, I don't think it ever really was. It was more of like a, an assumed position from like, I didn't have the representation from other non-binary people that I needed. So I just kind of went with the binary transition and thinking, oh, well, this is what trans people do. They go from one to the other, you know, so this, I must do the whole thing. Um, but so I took testosterone for a period of time. I since stopped because it makes me more comfortable now. Um, and so when I hit that around two year mark and started identifying as non-binary and coming to terms with that identity, I felt really like isolated all of a sudden, you know, and I, I was like, how am I going to go to a meeting and explain to these people how to use my pronouns, how to respect me, mm -hmm. you know, and I just had zero faith in it. Um, I kind of lost faith in the fellowship that I was part of. Um, and that led to my relapse. So being at McShin has been a phenomenal experience because um, I find a lot of love and support in the staff and I feel really safe here. And I've been shown time and time again that when there are concerns that come up, whether it be discrimination or emotional safety or things regarding my transgender identity, it's been well-received. People have been receptive and supportive, which makes me really grateful. So my goal is to go on to be that face for transgender people that walk through these doors and be able to, um, you know, be, be someone who makes them feel seen and, and heard in a way that, you know, it's kind of like the therapeutic value of one addict helping another. Mm -hmm. It goes the same way with minorities, that there's a therapeutic value to one trans person being there for another trans mm -hmm. person. Yeah, that definitely, I can, I can even, you know, empathize with the fact of coming into the recovery community and you're with all your people, but then because you are part of a minority, it just sometimes doesn't feel as comforting. So I'm yeah. so glad that you feel, you know, com like comfortable and at home. Yeah, us. absolutely. You're one of our people. Yeah. Because yes. <laughs> one of the things that um, I've been thinking about has to do with, you know, newcomers coming into um, a program of recovery, for example, tend to have trouble identifying. They look at differences rather than similarities. Mm -hmm. And I feel that for minorities, and I can speak from my own experience as a trans person, that that feeling of not being able to identify identify is like tenfold mm -hmm. because 
you're looking at the differences between, oh, well, I've never done this in my drug yeah. addiction and I, I haven't done this yet. And then on top of that, you're like, and I'm the queerest person in the room or the only <laughs> trans person in the room, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of like it, to piggyback or just jump in on it. Like that's a lot of baggage to carry, you know, when I came in, I mean, y'all know most of my story. I was a mom and everything. And it was so many things I still didn't want to tell people. So like when I see the humans and I don't go to meetings anymore, really. But, you know, before that, it's like when people come in and there are unfortunate, there's clicks, you know, you'll walk into certain ones and there's clicks. And then, you know, humans come into these meetings or group or wherever the setting is. And then I couldn't imagine also like, like you had said, like you didn't want to tell. And I think you said stealth mode is yeah. some slang. I don't know. But <laughs> all I'm thinking about is Maverick and Top Gun. But, you know, but, you know, to be able to walk into to an organization or, or a meeting or whatever, you know, that is some heavy stuff, like stuff. Let me say a bad word, CEO cousin. Um, but, you know, that's like, could you unpack some like, so say someone out there is listening and they've continually have reoccurrence of use because they don't feel a part of whether it's 12 step, whether it's faith based, whether it's whatever, Dharma, whatever, like give some advice out to the world. Cause this also goes into 40 jails. So there's a lot of humans that watch these videos throughout the year, hundreds of thousands that watch these. So don't, don't get scared. Okay. <laughs> no uh, pressure. But there's so many people out there too, that, you know, unfortunately don't even get into recovery because there's so much more that they're scared of afraid people make fun of them people judge them like all of that crap that unfortunately um ding dongs do but how could you like express not just your experience at mcshen but like coming out or how you live your life like how mm -hmm. any tips that you could give them yeah um, um, so one of the things that I was talking to Monique about before this was, um, you know, my program of recovery is Narcotics Anonymous. So I was reading through the basic text and in the back of the basic text where they have the stories, mm -hmm, um, like mm -hmm. our members share, there's a chapter called regardless of, and it mm -hmm. refers to in the reading when it says regardless of age, say, sex, race, sexual identity, creed, religion, or right. lack of religion. Right. And so one of these chapters is about, um, a lesbian entering recovery mm -hmm. and she, felt this chronic feeling of, you know, I don't identify and why is no one talking about it? And I'm going to these special interest LGBT meetings and no one's still talking about it. They're still just talking about the 12 steps, you know? And finally an addict kind of laughed with her and, and, you know, told her something along the lines of something about it taking time or something like that. But the point of that chapter that I wanted to point out was, um, she had this realization that no one had done as much harm to her as she'd done to herself by feeling unique, victimized, and closed-minded. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is when I lived my life as a trans person from the perspective of the world is against me, mm -hmm. everyone's going to misgender me, you know, no one respects me, I was a resentful, miserable trans person, mm -hmm. you know, and I had this realization that, you know, one of the things I started doing for me um, was kind of working on practicing being a little more indifferent to pronoun use, meaning like if someone calls me the wrong pronoun, trying not to get like super in my feelings about it, which is a really hard thing to do. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to put this out there. Like, this is what I'm suggesting all trans people do. Cause it's not for everyone. You deserve cool. to have your pronouns yeah. respected. But for me, it was a tool to practice that, um, kind of like compassion towards people, even if they didn't respect me, mm -hmm. you know, because it made me, open my heart up to loving people that, 
you know, were still offering me love. They just didn't understand how to respect me. So for people out there who may be in the LGBT community, maybe struggling with drug use, um, just like any newcomer, the tendency is to look for differences rather than similarities. And so my thing is just try to open your heart. For me, if I like practice love over anything else, if I practice loving someone that I've got a resentment against, it makes that resentment get a lot smaller and a lot easier to deal with. Mm -hmm. So I, I try to come at everything with compassion, even for the people that, you know, don't realize they're not doing the right thing. I remember sharing at a meeting about this pronoun issue and an addict shared right after me talking about like just some really offensive stuff. Like, you know, well, he, she, it, whatever, it doesn't matter. We're here to recover. Ooh. And it was, yeah, like that was kind I of a lot like, of people's I mean, response. Sorry, but I don't, <laughs> and I hear people That's saying so that rude. it should, it should. Yeah. I don't care because this boils my butt. <laughs> but like, I just, uh, I don't know. Sometimes I can't handle my emotions. That's right. <laughs> but I just don't. I And I hear what you're saying, too. And I appreciate that because there has been incidents where we're trying to still learn. Like, I'm, you just said stealth mode, all this stuff. I'm mm -hmm. like, all right. Like, I'm just trying to learn even terminology because I want to. Yeah. Not because I have to. It's because I truly, genuinely want to. And it's just unfortunate you add the negative outlook on addiction, which is still thriving and huge, even though we've been doing this for 18 years, we've been trying to reduce that negative outlook for 18 years here in Richmond. And now it's like all this, you know, just so negative on um, humans wanting to change. And if that's okay, you know, I know we're receptive and we're cool and everything at McShin, but the reality of it is a lot of the recovery community still, yeah. and, and I don't even know, I guess they just, don't understand, which again, I don't have all the answers, but I'm still learning, but it's still so much. I don't even think the word is childish. It's just, well, I just think of like a lot of old school people in, in, in recovery communities right. can be a little, you know, tendencies to be less open-minded. Which things. is crazy because that's literally one of the three spiritual principles that right. says we have to follow. Yeah. We have to have open. Yeah. We have to be open-minded and it's just like, you know, I, to me personally, when people use, um, like the cop out of like, oh, they're just old school. They're just, I, I'm like, okay. And mm -hmm. because no matter what, just like, you know, you had to learn how to respect a person of color. You also have to learn how to respect people from the LGBT community. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't, you can't just use this excuse of like, oh, well, back in my day, okay, well, it's not your day. And we've actually made progress. So now we need to take action and we need to respect that progress. Yeah. And that might mean making Grandpa Bob upset or like, you know, and that's okay because he has to have his his feathers ruffled, you know, mm -hmm. like he has to be, like he has to be taught that that's not correct. Or my parents or my grandparents, anybody has to be taught like, hey, it doesn't matter if you're not okay with this, like, this is them and and you we're forcing you to have to try to respect it like i hear what you're saying but unfortunately i don't think that that is just a switch you can turn on and off when you're generally i always try to use this big word and i don't even think it's a word but generalized you know it's really hard sometimes to get people to change their mind i mean even just with addiction you know with race with you know, gender, but that's but not an excuse. It's not an excuse. I'm not tr sitting here to defending people. I'm just showing you the reality of yeah, like what yeah. I've seen in my own 
network family here, you know, throughout the years is like really trying to not just me educate myself, but educate the humans that are around me, like the word human, for example. So McShin, we use participants back in the day, we use clients like a hundred years ago, I changed it to participants. And then um, because of participatory process, it's a whole thing. But, and then I changed, I mean, if you see our stuff, I'm, I started humans and I'm not here to be cool or anything like that, but people have asked me, why do you say humans? Is it because that's who mm -hmm. we help is mm -hmm. humans. Yeah. So I have to like, not defend, but like also try to, I feel like we're setting an example in this recovery community to be more open-minded and caring and loving. And I had to like, really, I don't want to use the word train really educate myself through Nathan, through other staff members, through people that had really had to teach me language, not even just language, but feelings. Like, I don't know what you, I can't feel what you, I don't have that empathy of like, like I know mm -hmm. um, childhood trauma. Yeah. But not, you know, that in, we've tried like trying to change like my grand god rest or like someone from like a, a much older generation it's okay for them to not agree with me and i just that's the stuff that i just don't jam with them with like they know my stance on a lot of things and everything because i'm open and everyone sees my but i would wish everyone we don't stop trying to teach them yeah. we don't stop because this is our life like if you don't like my sticker then get to go that way <laughs> close your eyes i don't know but the reality of it is i'm just saying there's a lot of old school that just they don't know how to change because of how they were raised but i feel like persistence is key right because it's not really a difference of opinion human decency isn't part of it's not an opinion you right know? i get so, you i'm with you, know. you girl i'm with you i'm know, just telling you it is hard sometimes to take that generational gap it is my job as a mom to yeah. teach my children to love all humans specifically those that are addicted yeah period they know it they see it you know they just they know my stance my son is almost 13 he doesn't understand totally destined my daughter's 20 she does but like he's going through stuff it's like i have to do my best to try to educate him because of the stuff like with the there's a bunch of i'm not gonna sit the county like with the bathroom situation there so it's like our children in this generation that are growing up in school are now trying to figure out okay well what is you know this community what is addiction like all like it's so much it's just our children what i don't you don't have i don't know if you have children but they're being raised in an environment that we i couldn't foresee 20 years ago you know because it was really just you know drugs and not even that much you know as much as it is now i mean kids are literally dying now um, but I, I truly believe like on this planet, well, as long as I'm here, I'm going to do my best to educate my two children and my dogs, but they don't know what I'm talking about, <laughs> yeah. but, and my husband, you know, and the people that I encounter with, you know, I think it's give us opportunities and stuff like this, you know, platforms to do what we can, you know, to get it out there. So this past weekend, you know. Nathan helped oh, set up this fun. amazing. Was it the very first Pride? We fest? well, we, it was a we situation, we. but okay, um, it was uh, RVA's inaugural recovery Pride Fest, celebrating LGBTQIA plus individuals in recovery um, and our allies 
And I, I, I really enjoyed the experience. I think we did a pretty successful event. And someone on the panel here, uh, I, I don't remember. Was it was it you, Kit? I don't know. Maybe it was Monique. Somebody performed a few songs. I know, and you're so wow, good. You are I listened to Amanda's Facebook post. Wow, yeah. yeah. Gorgeous like, voice. Did you write all that? Yes, those were originals. Oh, wow. Well, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> you need to be on yeah. somebody. Yeah. I mean, this is where she started, getting the herd, just so everybody knows. Um, we're going to have her get in the herd jam session for after hours. Yeah, there you go. But beautiful. I listened. I don't I think it was Amanda's uh, Facebook. Gorgeous. Because I didn't hear that. I, I wasn't yeah. there for that. So thank you. Um, but it was a beautiful event. But that made it even. I just love seeing humans come in here and like their um gosh like they're they're what are they well i love that yeah. and that backfires with my 13 year old son well soon to be 13 year old son but he's like mommy i'm just being my authentic self i'm like <laughs> you little beautiful little thing um but what was i saying no the talents like we cover up so much stuff like who would have thought i'd be a ceo and author all these like i hated myself when i walked in mcshen yeah. like hated myself when i walked into mcshen but it just is this coolest thing like and like really being like this you should be on american she idol or something. The ukulele and everything <laughs> oh wow i didn't yeah. see that was that i thought it was a guitar no i was playing a guitar but i also played it oh yeah. okay yeah Can I, I have two questions to ask yes no. oh, okay i'm just kidding go ahead <laughs> Okay. I'm feeling marginalized over here. Okay. <laughs> um, we got to get a fourth situation. I know. Well, let's just say the sushi is really. Oh, ooh. give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but in, in all seriousness, so you, you mentioned stealth and I, I think I have a, an understanding by context of what that word means, but could you elaborate on that? And then I have yeah. a follow up on that. Yeah, absolutely. So generally speaking, stealth is a word that cisgender passing trans people use to describe the experience of, you know, because they're cisgender passing, they don't have to out themselves constantly. And for those who don't know the word cisgender, that word means um, identifying with the sex that you were assigned at birth. So if you were born female, you still identify that way, you would be a cisgender person. Mm -hmm. um, and then transgender obviously is the opposite of that, someone who doesn't identify that way. Um, so yeah, I think that answers your question, right? No, that that does. And so there, there's a, there must be an analog for sort of, you know, being able to, and I, I know I'm going to use the wrong terminology and I don't know how to use the right terminology, but like someone who can pass as straight, you know, which, you know, obviously that's a whole ridiculous and giant thing to unpack there. And it has become my experience, you know, as I've gotten older and maybe I wouldn't say more conservative, just a little more, just, just a little more, I don't know, uh, not as flamboyant as I was, you know, if I'm putting it, you know, I, I lived in DuPont Circle in the late 90s and early 90s. You know, I, I was out at every Pride Festival shirtless and dancing and <laughs> raving and like crazy. And well, don't was, do that here. Well, not that today. Was, no, not today. Right. Not. But that was my experience, you know, and a lot of alcohol and drugs with that. So mm -hmm. like that for me was it was important to do a recovery pride fest and it's important that we are doing uh by the way i don't think i told you this but we're gonna have a free table at pride fest for richmond's pride fest in september so uh james milner said we could have a free table and he wants to do collaborate on this and make it bigger which i think is awesome because yeah. you know as we know like just with the lesbian gay bisexual which are the measured group you know mm -hmm. um of people you know the the numbers of people with a substance use disorder or mm -hmm. who identify as abusing substances 
um, are two to three times more than in the heterosexual population. And that's just measuring out LGB people. Yeah. You know, it doesn't even get into the trans, which just yeah. obviously make that huge. And, and then we talk about the rates of suicides and suicide attempts for any age, really. But you look specifically at young people um, in those populations. So it's important that we keep doing this. And so as a person who like today, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm a white middle-aged guy, you know, cisgender guy who, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, I have no, you know, gender or I mean, sexual identity, you know, in as much as, you know, I come to work, I go home, blah, blah, blah. So I have found when I was living in recovery housing that I was constantly outing myself, which, yeah. re, which I, which, you know, like I said, I lived in DuPont Circle for a long time. So like, I didn't have to do that. Plus I was also really more flamboyant because I fit. I don't know. I feel like I'm being flamboyant today. Um, I don't know if it was cultural or what, but I guess the point is, is how do you handle situations where people come up and say, because uh, this happened to me the other day and I still don't know what to say. Oh, I didn't even know you were gay until just two days ago. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, and I don't know what to say. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it's like, I can't tell you online right now because we're on air what I actually said and what I wanted to say, but I still don't know what to say. What do you think about that? Well, it's funny because when I was living as a cis passing um, trans man, mm -hmm. you know, when people would find out, they'd be like, oh, my God, you look so good. Or <sighs> it would go the other way where it would be like, oh, so you're transitioning to be a woman. <laughs> I'm like, oh, like, no, <laughs> um, testosterone is a thing. Um, so for me, sometimes it ruffles my feathers a little bit, you know, because some people will say it in a way that's like. You know, like I said, you know, oh, well, you look really good for a trans person, you know, and it's oh. like, well, that's oh. not a compliment that you right. think it is. Um, so I try to stay open minded and meeting people where they're at. Again, rolling back to that compassion piece. And it gets so tiring sometimes. A lot of the time, the way I live my life these days, um, being non-binary is with when I'm with trans people or people that are safe and understanding, you know, they will call me they, you know, that they know. But other times when I'm just out in society, I'll just pretend to be a girl, cosplay as a girl <laughs> because it's a little easier um, and preserves my energy a little bit because that's that's the thing that I focus on is preserving my energy. I don't want to spend time educating someone who's not willing to be educated and I'm just wasting my time and energy on them. So I think that's kind of my answer to your question is if I have that energy, you know, I can maybe take a moment to explain to them how to be respectful or how to, you know, how to educate them in that moment. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, my reaction would just be like, yep. Like, what do you, what, what do you want me to say? Moving, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And so my next question is getting into pronouns mm -hmm. and I, 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 I know why it's important for me to talk about my pronouns when I share who I am. Um, but I want to get your perspective on why it's important for people, for people who are not trans to talk about their pronouns and why, you know, like for instance, I make it a point it's on my, my business card. You know, I make it a point of putting it in my zoom calls I make it a point. Mm, I try to be good about saying it when I speak, but I, I actually, forgot when I spoke the other day, you know, so yeah. like, like I'm not completely aware all the time that I do that, but why is it important for people to show their allyship and use pronouns? Yeah. So honestly, the, the allyship is huge, but it, it's, it's so much more than that because if 
as a trans person who uses pronouns that differ from the way I may present, right? You know, so I use they, their pronouns. No cis person is going to look at me and assume to call me they. They're going to assume he or she. They're going to pick one. And believe it or not, I get both. Like, it's just random at this point. Um, <laughs> it really is. You know, I'll get mammed by someone at the gas station. I'll go to the drive-thru and they'll call me sir. Like, it's, I don't know. But, um, <laughs> but so the reason why it's so important is because in a setting like this, I was just kind of talking about this before we started, you know, I was saying, I'm going to introduce myself with my pronouns. I would love it if we all did that because I was going to do it regardless. Right. And then I would be the only one. And now I'm like the token trans person or, you know, something like that. And so the reason it's so important for cis people to share their pronouns is because trans people don't have the privilege of not sharing their pronouns. If they want to get respect, they have to speak up about it a lot of times, unless you're a cis passing individual and people do assume your correct pronoun, that's a little different. Um, but that still doesn't mean that they um, shouldn't be a part of that as well. Like, I think it's so super important because cis people have the privilege of not ever having to think about that a second in their lives. So do you think, like safety wise it makes it makes you feel more included and safer when other people around you are acting as mm. allies and yeah. identified with their pronouns yeah safety safety is a really good point because yeah. it, it does it does influence my safety because if i'm in a, in a room like and this happens to me a lot like whenever we do like a, a group or a meeting where they go around the room and introduce everyone my first instinct is to be like kit they them she her you know, but no one else does. So if I was the only one in there doing that, I'm not feeling safe. So I choose, choose to just not, you know, so safety is a huge thing when, when cis people and allies are doing that, um, you know, just making it a normal thing to do when you meet someone or introduce yourself in a setting like that, it makes things so much safer. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that like, you know, as a, a cis woman, like I never, think about right because it's just like wow I never really thought about uh, someone else's safety and how I can you know act as an ally just by doing like little actions like that you know just mm -hmm. make everyone feel more comfortable yeah so I like mm -hmm. that I appreciate that. I do it on zoom certain mm -hmm. one because I don't know what name will pop up what account I'm on so I'll do it really quick you know and rename my zoom yeah and it's on my email signature i didn't even think about my business card but i could do that <laughs> i mean i did you know i think it's also still like a learning like something i mean even here in groups you know maybe we can implement something i think the more at leadership i feel and this isn't just hey cool me but more at leadership and staff and yeah. people that are doing it then the participants and the humans out in the nature are going to be like okay so kind of like picking up what we're putting down yeah well that's the other thing is if you <laughs> like like if, if an organization has a website and they have a tab for how they act to include minorities and act to include LG, the LGBT community, suddenly you're attracting a new population and doing things like, you know, if you have a section on your website that lists your team or board members putting their pronouns in their bios, mm -hmm. if, if I see that, that makes me go, oh, okay, this is an organization that I can, I know I can feel safe with because they're taking the initiative. So hopefully their actions when I get there are going to show yeah. through that. I like I'm just taking notes. Yeah, I know. I was like, I, I like that. Well, I, I gotta really do a whole, new, not a whole new website, but I'm doing some <laughs> website. Yeah. Changes. Yeah. Yeah, but that's a good, you know, at least for our staff, for sure. Um, 
and like like I was going to talk about a little is like how McShen has evolved in this area in multitude of areas. Trust me, when I got here, it was hardcore, narcotics anonymous, hardcore. <laughs> but back then, again, it was 15 years ago. That's really there was really no support groups, yeah, um, or anything. It was it was NA and AA, probably some like Naranon and stuff like that. But it really wasn't. It was just hardcore. So like throughout the years through our language participants to humans. I mean, that's just one thing that we had to change, but it was more of like, really, I mean, for me, I wanted to surround myself with, now I have a young, beautiful black woman as my assistant. Like I want to surround myself with super cool humans that work their butts off because that <laughs> has to be on that list. Um, but also learning and I mean, teaching me, you know, things So McShen, you know, we were one of the first in this community uh, when we had someone transitioning in our housing. They identified as a male when they came in and they are transitioning into a female. So they want to be they wanted to be moved. Well, they didn't, I guess. She because she identified as a she during living here. So we had to figure all that out because uh, this, this human identified as a male and while residing here, yeah, they, yeah, they started their transition and identified as a she. Mm -hmm. So I'll be honest, we were like, okay, what do, what we, do we do? Like, right. because there was so much you have to unpack in that area because we don't have just a house. Cause I feel like sometimes if you just have a house, you know, for black or just have a house, like I, I want everyone to love one another and be together and not everyone likes that. And every human that lives in the house might not like that either, but we have always been and strived on the herd always yeah. not individualized, just the herd where family, whatever. Anyway. So during that process, really John, Jesse and I, and a lot of me and Jesse, we had to figure out like what to do. And Nathan was here. So we, you know, got his opinions, of course. Um, but I just kind of made the decision. This person identifies as a woman. We talked to all the females in the house and we moved her into the house. Mm -hmm. And the outside community was like, eh, you know, talking, you know what, but like the women, not one, one of them called me and we kind of talked it out because it, you know, it's a, it, it is, it is something that they had to like, okay, well, what is this? They didn't know, like, what does this really mean? Yeah. But I felt like McShen, like as a, t like we, that's just what we did. And since then, you know, that's what, what you identify as, I guess it just depends on, you know, the situation, but for the most part, that's just what we've, what we've done because yeah. we had to yeah. do something right to help this human. But also to be honest, it was a big education piece for everyone in our community, in at least the McShen community. Right. So since just saying like we've changed and evolved, you know, throughout all these years and we're kind of like big at like figuring this stuff out as it goes to in certain cases and certain scenarios mm -hmm. and situations, yeah. um, you know, but Building we don't have all the, we fly it. Right. Well, kind of. I think we've actually, the past probably five years, we don't really do, like, I feel like McShen's really gotten very good at what we do and we don't have to build the plane as we fly, you know, fly it, like he said, um, because we have such a diverse staff and we have so many different um, aspects of life and, and, and learning and we're always forever learning. Um, I just think, you know, just saying if you're new out there in the recovery space or you have recovery housing, I mean, I'm happy to do the best I can to help and, you know, let you know our policies and stuff like that, because that was like a, 
it was a pretty immediate we had to figure what the hell like it was like an overnight probably within two days situation and i was like let's go and yeah. we did it yeah. and it worked out and i don't know where this human is now but i mean it worked out for the most part we didn't have any as far as i know any complications or like any you know craziness going on it was fun you know yeah. she identified as a woman she's a woman and she was in the female house so mm -hmm. anyway i'm just saying there's i don't know what other places do you may know more y'all may know more than me yeah. but i just know we not even just in this in this category i guess there's so many different things that mcshin's been hit with that we've had to like come together like even me and your conversations you know you had concerns and i'm of course mama bear to everybody <laughs> and you know then i get involved and it and not that i'm like super well i guess i'm super cool but you know <laughs> but like it is important cool. it is important for everyone that comes through here to feel safe yeah. and whatever that looks 100%. like no matter hands down anything is the safety piece because of the world honestly the world that's out there right now like Thanks. you know i want to move in with y'all <laughs> like it's it's Thanks. crazy yeah. but anyway so that's just one challenge that we had to overcome and why not and it was difficult it was yeah. difficult because we had people calling us and texting us like what the hell are y'all doing you know and i they didn't text me because they knew what they were going to get from me, but they had text other staff. And I just say so we set the tone. Well, over right. Here, baby. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what we did to the best of our ability. <laughs> and I think we've done it well, but you were there. I mean, it was some challenges. It was some haters. Sure. But we um, leave. We absolutely. Right. We situation. leave. Yeah. They hate us because they yeah. hate us. Well, I don't want to. That's no, that's, you know, it's just someone had to do it eventually, you know, and, yeah. and it's just, you know, we and that's, it. that's a huge issue with, various recovery houses is trans people specifically i want to talk about cis passing trans people who are getting put into the wrong house so mm. you could have a trans man who has been on been medically transitioning looks like a can pass as a cis man and they're like well because of your body we're gonna put you in the women's house which That's is totally unsafe so unsafe yeah yeah That's but again it's like we do the best that we can we can't judge or like we can't tell other organizations Absolutely what to do right. there yeah. has been like a i think i want to say and i don't know like nar i think is developing some some standard which is the national association of recovery residences a standard because i do believe we reached we did reach out to far do you all have a policy but it was really kind of like nothing in writing it's just kind of the operator does what they want so i was like yeah, i'm gonna do it then and okay so <laughs> You know, and, and again, there needs to be, it needs to be some changes, I guess, up level, like, you know, just to kind of help people and guide them through that. Um, and again, it's still that education piece. Like I try to, and I send it to anything that I get webinars or anything. Hey, y'all should probably jump on this, like get on this, you know, learn because I'm still learning, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Well, and I think a, an important piece is having the representation, like, within that food chain of like command that command chain like for me i know it was really important for me as a black woman to get my foot in the door because you can't have a seat at the table if you're not even in the room yeah so i think it's important for people like kit i know she is looking to like you know be a prs and be an advocate i think it's very important to have representation because then then that's how you make changes yeah. you know mm -hmm. you have to actually have the opportunity to. and th and that's the thing that trans people become the asset for um 
for these kinds of matters because, you know, if there's no trans person in the room, I, you know, I'm using myself as an example. I'm the one who sees all this stuff that I don't share with y'all because it's just not always something I think is necessary. But I notice these things when I hear, I hear things, I see things and the microaggressions, whatever it may be. And that's why I think trans people, that's why I put an emphasis on trans people. You know, like I remember I was taking a training for this crisis line I was working for and they were doing, um, an education on LGBT stuff for, for a period because we worked with the Trevor project. Um, and you know, it was just really outdated language. And I was like, look, I'm not trying to intrude, but like, can I maybe give you some updated definitions of these terminologies? Cause this is and and one of the things she said to me that stuck with me was, Oh, well, you know, a gay man wrote it. And I was like, a gay man, a gay cisgender man wrote about trans people and how they define themselves. And that's the problem. And I suggested that she look for a transgender person to lead that part of the training because, yeah, a, a gay person or someone else in the LGBT, LGBT community could be an asset. But I really believe that when it comes to speaking on behalf of trans people, you need that trans voice. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. even just... Because we don't, I mean, we don't know. Like, right. I don't know right. what the hell y'all, like, I don't know what you go or yeah. you or Nathan or y'all have to, or me as a female CEO. I mean, that was a whole mm -hmm. barrier I had to break, you know? And, and yeah. we need to be at the table, but we also need to be at the grocery store, at the <laughs> bus stop, you yeah. know, everywhere. And I hear what you're saying. Also, you mentioned earlier, like, you're exhausted. I know me and you have had conversations about this, but like, and it, just to piggyback, so you can get exhausted, but you just woo, just beat them, beat them, tell them, tell them, you know. But sometimes <laughs> there has to be like a, you know, in between too, because we don't want you to ever stop. Right. And we don't want you to ever stop. But sometimes it's okay to drop the mic and just keep moving it forward. Right. You know, for yeah. your sanity yeah. and like. Uh, just as an old timer, like for your uh, mental health and like your resentments and everything, because sometimes I've just talked to a lot of people throughout my years here. And there's just people, certain ones, certain humans that just ain't going to pick up what I'm putting down because I've tried and I just move it on and mm -hmm. just keep leading and keep doing what we do because, you know, my time's valuable. And yeah. like you said, but it's also the mission is still in my mind and I still the only thing that I can do, I mean, I can do a multitude of things in the level that I'm in, but is just keep it moving and keep support and showing mm -hmm. the love. Mm -hmm. And I think more things will fall in place. Yeah. All of us, that's not just me, but just more things will fall in place for the humans, you know, that come in behind us because I'm telling you, it's still a wackadoo out there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just don't, I do what I can, but I don't have the time to like, educate constantly because i right. don't have the answers too you know what i mean but i can show up i can do this i can provide jobs i can do all of that stuff and mm -hmm. i'm okay like that's that's, that's a lot great. yeah yeah, yeah. so you know i just don't want you this is like the recovery piece to it mm -hmm. like for both like you know you got to let that shit go sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. because it's like we get resentments and then we want to use and like, you know, or punch someone or whatever, <laughs> you know, or, or tell them off. Like he might, might've done with that other guy. Anymore, no. no. Um, how, well, does Glisten, how does Glisten define wackadoo? 
Wackadoo. You're not supposed to use the word crazy now. Did y'all know that? <laughs> yes, you're not absolutely. supposed to use crazy. I feel like wackadoo yeah. sounds wackadoo. This is Pretty something similar. I've been saying since I was little. I, I like that, right? my, my Look, favorite I'm replacement. I'm everything is wild. about myself, okay? Saying oh, something's wild, wild instead wild. of crazy, oh, right? I, mean, I, I say feel wild. like that's what the cool kids say anyway. Right? Oh, yeah, that's wild. But honestly, the thing that you, something you said about like this exhaustion of education made me think the thing that grinds my gears the most is I'll refer to it, right? I know. What's (laughs) grinds my gears? Look that up, Nathan. (laughs) Wackadoo. The thing that gets on my nerves the most has to do with, I'll, I'll say cisgender fragility. And what I mean by that is if I assertively correct someone on, on my pronouns or on behalf of someone else's pronouns, cis people have this tendency to get really defensive and or think that i'm being aggressive when really i'm being assertive i'm saying no you need to show respect right now you know Mm -hmm. and that is the most challenging thing for me sometimes is being portrayed as like the angry trans person but really i'm just standing up for myself or another trans person Mm -hmm. i feel that so hard because at any point in time there was actually like an incident like a week ago where I was speaking very directly and I have like, I can speak very professionally, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So I know I did not sound ratchet or any other condescending like term someone wants to say, but because I'm a black woman, I was automatically labeled like, Oh, she's about to get ghetto. Mm-hmm. And that stuck with me. And that really bothered me because it's like, no, just because, just because you're, defensive or you're feeling like or i'll bring it back up like hey you know that really offended me or it hurt my feelings because you called me ghetto when really i was just speaking very directly Mm -hmm. and it was like that person got so defensive you know and it's just and i just like it does get slightly frustrating when you're when you're just like i'm just trying to stand up for myself and i'm just trying to let you know that you were in the wrong and i understand that you didn't mean to be but I'm just letting you know so that you don't do it in the future. Yeah. And I mean, let's talk about the fact that if I were correcting someone um, on a cis person's name, like say you called John James and I said, Oh no, that's John. Nothing, nothing would have happened, but when it's coming from the trans mouth, defending the trans person, suddenly it's aggressive. Yeah. He can't hear you anyway. (laughs) He he'll go with James. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. No, I definitely feel that. Well, and I think, you know, I think also, gosh, I mean, it can't, I guess it is exhausting, I guess, for you guys, but also like for your situation that just happened, I think it's also a continual education, even these little two minute, three minute educations, and then you move on. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because I've seen it and I've seen, you know, I'm like, you can't, I don't, I talk, like, as like, you can't say that here. Like, it just depends yeah. on the situation. Like, I do get, it depends on it what it is and who it is like i'm he's probably i've you know i i don't yell at people but i'm like dude you can't talk like that you can't say that you can't you know not that they can't but like we don't do that here so it's all like your deliverable of like correcting that human is like look we don't do that here we're love peace you know we're gonna you know, disagree and all of that, but it's all about the verbiage of like correcting that person as well. Cause I'm not Definitely. even, but I think she hit, like, I think they hit the mark on the point when they said fragility. Mm-hmm. It's, there, it's so fragile because you can literally have the calmest, like most professional demeanor and somehow 
it's like you broke the glass. Yeah. And it's just, it's crazy. I mean, no, it's not. It's wild, (laughs) you know, because it's like, why am I stepping on eggshells to present your mistake to you? And I don't really get exhausted or hold resentments because I feel like it's my duty to speak on things that are inhumane or like not correct. I feel like that's just part of who I am. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if someone really doesn't get it, that's okay. But at least I did my part. Sure, That's my, that's my jam. You know, so it's just, I just, I feel like that's, you know, once it becomes more normalized for everyone to do that, and it doesn't matter if it affects them personally, like I can speak up for Kit even though I'm not trans and I would appreciate if, you know, if someone was being derogatory towards me because of my race, if she would speak up, like, you know, what I'm, like, mm-hmm. I don't care who it is. I just want everyone to be treated fairly, you know? Yeah. And it's just something that it can get exhausting when people try to argue, but, you know, just like oh, your granny yeah. says, you can't argue with stupid. Wow. You, know? you can't argue with, with the brick wall and that's okay. But maybe, after a certain amount of times hearing it, that wall will crack, mm-hmm. you know? Well, I don't even think, like, the arguing piece, like, I just think the world in general, it's like, um, just, I just know for me, I guess I'm oldest. Oh, no, you're the oldest in the room, probably. Oh, but my God. I'm close. That's why I'm not on camera. I'm close. Whatever. You better get over here on camera now. We're, <laughs> we're going to make you stand on this table with your flag. Um, but what was I saying? You made me. Oh. That as I'm getting older and wiser, like the selective people like that I surround myself, number one, is like you got to pick on who is a positive influence in your life. And I know y'all live in recovery houses and you got different personalities. Not you do, but everybody living in the <laughs> yeah. Well, you might. Multiple, multiple you do. Yeah. <laughs> I know I do. Um, totally but wild. it's more of like life is just too short to like fight with people you know what i mean Precisely. yeah and that's that's why i ended up having that epiphany where i said i'm miserable and resentful all the time yeah. towards mm-hmm. cis people and i'm so exhausted and that's why i made the decision to start living my life as a joyful serene excited enthusiastic trans person mm-hmm. who loved myself and stop giving a heck about mm-hmm. what other people mm-hmm. were were thinking of me um and it made my life a lot a lot better yeah yeah well, we love you, Kit. I love you. You're y'all. amazing. <laughs> I know if you're still, we would love for you to sing at Recovery Fest. Yeah. You're she's still going to be here. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, even as an alumna, you don't have to live here. I mean, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm she's in charge anywhere, anywhere anytime she, soon. She's in charge of the music. So just saying. Yes. Again, you know, I'm just sharing okay. a platform. So, so something really awesome that we also are just like, kind of not even why are we skimming over this honestly you have something really cool coming up you guys she has a book signing at barnes and noble the barnes and noble dbn yeah dbn dbn at willow lawn at Living there's no D. Yeah. I there's didn't no say D. D. There's not? <laughs> no. The Barnes, Barnes and, Noble. and Noble. Or Barnes and Noble's B-A-N. was what people call it. I said BNN. I well, was like the BN and then I said BNN. 
Did I throw on a DS? It's an anyway. and symbol. <laughs> anyway. That's an ampersand. Yes. It? Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Anyway, yeah. but yes, I do. My book, Scattered Pink. So we're going to be there. Whoever's going to, I'm going to be there. You're going to be there. Um, yep. Saturday, this Saturday, one to three. One to three. Yeah. Book signing and meet and greet. I'm really more interested. I mean, that's going to be fun too, but, <laughs> um, but like going up to people in the store because I'm scaring so, them? well, not scaring them, but I hopefully, you know, I teach them a little bit more about recovery and being open-minded. Are you just going to walk around the store with your book? Yeah. I'm going to okay. walk around the store. Like, Hey, I, I wrote a book. Yeah. It, well, yeah. I think they told us we're going to be right when they walk in. Oh, okay. when everybody okay. comes I'm, I'm best-selling author. I'm right. Yeah, yeah, literally. Nice and here's my book. Yeah. Nice well, book. how I got the gig though, I tell people that I literally walked cause I couldn't afford a big publisher cause I just can't, which is cool. But, there it's just online so i walked into that store tiffany shout out to her. she's um hey, amazing i walked up to her and, and i'm pretty sure my first sentence was hey i'm in recovery from a heroin addiction and i just read this book <laughs> i swear i just read this book and i'm really trying to get it in your store it's online it sold it because it did sold out on amazon the day it was um it published it's on amazon too but anyway so best selling in all these categories and she was like well, she looked it up. She was like, well, um, why don't we just do a book signing? So she offered it to me. So it's just like, you know, being your truth and being, you yeah. know, the human that you are and like just sharing. It is just my role in life to reduce that negative outlook on addiction and multitude of things. But yes. really my lived experience is being a female leader that was that used to shoot heroin. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, that's a big and I know I, I, I get nervous because like, woo me, but it's also like I've been taught through the process of like recovery and like my mentors that aren't in recovery. It's like, you're not going to sell a book if you don't talk about it, you know? Right. So yeah. I know, I know it's just weird, but, but yeah, come hang out. I got some pink giveaways and you can buy my book would be preferable but <laughs> they do have <laughs> thousands of other books other that books you can buy the they have store. a starbucks in the store so at you the dnb yeah at the, <laughs> the dnb at the dnb yeah. but yeah, yeah and then we have care talks uh friday night here live care talks we have um a mcshen alumni we have mcshen staff we have a mcshen participant that's going to do a little surprise at the end oh. um so we got family members of those that are addicted and in recovery so it's really cool it's here at mcshen second floor this friday night 6 to 8 p.m um in person and then live on McShin and Care Talks Facebook pages and YouTube, right? Art and a big shout out to Art behind the scenes. Art, Art is Art. amazing Art. Um, and does all of our Killing podcasts and it. doing Killing really, it. really good. <laughs> there you go. Killing He's so quiet. Put some respect on his name. He did the uh, sound engineering for when I did my little few songs at Pride Fest. Oh, really? Made me sound real good. Yeah. No, you sound. You don't know. Now you know. <laughs> so yeah, so we have little concerts. We have a ton of events. So just follow us on social media. We're revamping our website just a tad. So then not at all. But if you follow, I mean, I guess you're following. You're watching us on here. Well, unless you're in jail, obviously you're not probably on Facebook. But, um, but when you get out, when you get out, you can come hang out with us. Yeah. So we're do. excited about life but, about but don't break out of jail or prison yeah please no. do not do that that's not what we're saying well we'll take you back in one of our mid cars 
Um, I don't know. Or gas is high. Actually, yeah, so you're gonna have to Uber. <laughs> We're gonna have to just call them to come that. get you. Five dollars a gallon. Uh, no, no, it's going down slowly. It's like forty-two. That's, that's I that's see this morning. The other day. I know. So something's happening. Four ninety-seven. Well, that's another whole podcast for another day. <laughs> that sounds like a but, miserable uh, podcast. Yeah, yes. that sounds Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you guys. It was amazing. Oh my gosh, you scared me. Showed up. Gang, gang, gang. Sorry, my love. Say gay. Okay. I, don't I don't know. You better look that up because <laughs> you can't gay. say nothing. Oh, <laughs> well, thank you guys and tune in again that. on Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. Thursday, Thursday 2 p.m. All right. Bye. Bye. Liller. I am the CEO of the McShen Foundation and a woman in long-term recovery since May 27, 2007. I have not used drugs or alcohol. Thank you so, so much to the Richmond Times Dispatch and all of our voters for getting the Herd podcast. Those podcasts are amazing. Not only has it helped thousands upon thousands of people in their recovery, as well as family members, but it has helped me in my personal recovery. I get to listen to them now in my car through Spotify and iHeartRadio. And it's just really, really important for us to be innovative in the addiction field and the recovery community. So when COVID hit, we had to be innovative. You know, we really had to think of like, what can we do to reach people that cannot go to 12-step meetings? smart recovery, faith-based, whatever, um, that we're shutting down constantly. So we were innovative here at McShin. Let's start podcast. So with Todd, John, Alex, um, and some other staff, you know, we all just kind of jumped in who can do what. And um, with Todd's lead and John's lead, the podcasts have been amazing and we're still doing them today. So I want to thank you for all of your votes and all of your energy and all of your support of our mission of healing families and saving lives. Thanks.